today. Amen. As uh, Lauren stays up here, can I get Joe B to come on up? As you guys notice, I'm a wounded warrior up here for Jesus. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to let anything take me out the game. My brother called me up this week. Thank you for that. And uh, basically, it's a torn um, Achilles heel. If you guys have ever watched basketball or seen what happened to Kobe, I'm in that same league, so that's, I feel kind of cool there. I made a move. It wasn't a jump. It was a quick move on my left. He went on his right, but when I went on my left, it just tore and popped, and you can see it online, what it looks like when it does that. So that's where I'm at. Uh, went to the emergency room, got some pain pills. I've been taking less, praise God, half a dose. And tomorrow I go and see the doctor and get all the goodies. It can be surgically done or it can be done through uh, having these casts and boots on like I have and, you know, physical therapy. But what's very unique about this is it takes anywhere between six to nine months to recover. So a broken bone is quicker. ACLs are quicker and all of these. So I'm just learning this. And, uh, you know, here's the way I look at it. I look at it like... God doesn't plan for these things in the sense of make them happen, but God has a plan when they happen. Amen? God doesn't plan for bad things to happen to people. This is because of the fall and us rejecting him as a humanity back in the day. Not like we deserve the pain. I'm just saying because of uh, Adam and Eve's sin, the Bible says that's the start of the curse. So God never planned for me in the sense, like, said it and said, I want Joe to break his leg. You know, he's, he's moving around too much. Now he'll learn a lesson. You know, I don't believe God's like that. I believe when God does that, he's actually cursing and judging people. I'm a king's kid. He doesn't do that to me. Sometimes people have taught that when the sheep didn't act right, the uh, shepherd would break their legs and all that. A shepherd never said that. That was a preacher's thing that was passed around. Uh, sheep, uh, shepherds are not breaking the sheep's legs. You can look that up. They don't do that. That's not good for your sheep. They'd be like breaking your dog's leg or something. But here's what I know is that even though it wasn't for him to want it to happen, he wants me to be healed. He wants me to be whole. He has a plan that it has happened, and he's going to use that for his glory. But I would love to rip off this cast right now and dance off the, the stage into the front. So I'm going to let him pray, and then we're also praying for the doctors and wisdom and recovery. There's like two different types of surgeries and different ways to go forward if you don't get surgery. So there's a lot of options, and so I just want the best for what God has. And um, thank you for your care, your concern, your prayers. I do have a lot of maids and butlers, my children right here. They've been doing a great job. Uh, they've been working full time, so they get some bonuses, some extra candy. They get some extra candy. But Joby, would you pray for me, please? Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, just for the opportunity to pray uh, and believe that you heal. Yeah, Lord, first and foremost, God, we are thankful, Lord, that Pastor Joe is alive, that he is well. And uh, God, we thank you for all the options that he has, Lord. Um, we pray for wisdom and discernment as he goes forward. But Lord, we believe right now there is another option, which is healing. So right now, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal his Achilles completely. Lord, that he would be able to stand, that he'd be able to run, that he'd be able to jump. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would astound the doctors his next visit. And I pray, God, that you would astound the believers in this church. And I pray, God, that this would be a testimony of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. We give glory to God. Amen. All right, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
This is the first verse, uh, passage rather, that I've come to you outside of Hebrews in almost 15 months. So thank you, Second Service, for doing amazing for that uh, year and a half almost of going through the book of Hebrews. What I'm going to do now, by God's grace, is just go through a few sermons the next few weeks as the Lord leads. I have an idea of where I want to go. I just don't know how fast I'm going to get there, but I do have an idea. But between now and then, I want to give you some messages that have been in my heart while we've been going through that series. But let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Somebody say the last time. Amen. In the last time. In all this and everything he just mentioned there, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So what I want to talk to you today about is rejoicing in trials. And uh, of course, I can lead by example right now. I felt the Holy Ghost just nudge me and say, just tell them what I've been telling you, you know, because I didn't know what I was going to preach on this week. I purposely like to wait to get the download before I come out here, pull the, uh, the bread out the oven. That's just what I like to do as a preacher. As you mostly know, these are my notes for most of my sermons, even some of the most in-depth ones. And I just felt the Lord say back there, just tell them what I've been telling you. So notice this, that the Bible says, in this and all these things you're going through, you are greatly rejoicing, though now for a little while. Somebody say little while. Thank you. Thank you. This is so important. You understand this. It's a little while in compared to eternity. It's a little suffering in compared to eternity, no matter what you're going to. And I'm not trying to make light because I'm going through this today. Somebody's going through something way worse, but I'm saying in comparison to eternity, 70, 80 years, even an entire life of suffering is nothing compared to the glory that waits. Amen? Amen. So just count it as a little while. And we're going to talk about why that's important, why the Bible does this, okay? It's not um, trying to look down on our sufferings. It's not trying to make us think that they're not legit and that they don't feel like they last a while. But the Bible right there is trying to transform the way our mind comes comprehends these things. We're supposed to look at our time on earth, even when it's good, but especially when it's bad, as a little while. One more time. Can you say a little while? Thank you. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And how many know there's all kinds of trials? There's hurting yourself in basketball kind of trials. There's getting into a car accident. That was two weeks kind of trials. I still haven't gotten my car back. I don't know when they're going to give it back to me. There's trials of finances. There's trials of relationships. There's trials in your mind. There's trials in your body. There's trials in the outside world where people don't like you. There's trials that come against nations and nations suffer. How many know if you are a Christian in the Ukraine right now, you're probably still not getting a full night's rest unless the Holy Ghost helps you? Are they coming over? Are they taking If you're in Israel right now, you're probably not getting a full night's rest unless the Lord lays you down to sleep. I pray his, you know, he keeps my soul, you know, and if I die before I wake, may he take my soul, you know, all of that. You're praying something like that. Why? Because you understand that your life could be taken in a moment. Of course, that's even true for us now, but even more so in those war areas. Now look at verse 7. 
these have come so that though proven gen- excuse me these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith genuineness let's say that together genuineness i'm trying to speed through it and the lord wants me to slow down look at this these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed and notice this one more time he's going to reiterate in verse 8 though you have not seen him you love him even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls can i hear an amen to that Amen. So let's just put that in context right now. Joy in suffering. Joy in suffering. Can you buy it? Can you take it? Can you get it today at the store? No, you can't. You can only get it through Jesus. Can, can, you, t- can you take it from your friend if you don't got it? No. Can you borrow it? No. I mean, they could try to help you with a little bit, but, but can you buy it at the store? Can you get it from somebody else? Can you take it off the shelf and put it in your pocket? Of course not. You can't do it like that. You have to go to Jesus for it. Jesus is the only one who can give us joy. Some of the things that I've, I've been looking at this week as I've been, you know, seeing what kind of surgeries there are and different things, I've been meeting a lot of depressed people that had Achilles heel ruptures. Guys have said, I'm 60-some years old. I've been active my whole life. I've never had a surgery. I've never dealt with depression, and I'm dealing with both right now. Think about that. Middle-aged, active men, people in their 30s. I was watching one guy's video because I'm trying to be encouraged. You know, what's going on with my leg? The video starts off with the 30-year-old crying. (laughs) Seriously, he starts crying. I didn't think this would happen to me. I've got plans to go snowboarding and tears streaming down his face. So once again, I'm not trying to say this is equivalent to maybe your suffering. I'm just saying I'm going through a little bit of suffering right now, and the Lord is telling me I better find a way to rejoice. I better find a way to rejoice or depression is waiting for me. I'm on a little bit of pain pills right now, but how many know if I don't find it in Jesus, I can go to them a couple times a day now, and I don't even need it, and I can start trying to find my happiness and getting high. Amen? Are you listening to me? Because that's what happened with, with uh, different people. They, they, you know, they don't intend to get onto drugs. They're middle class, you know, working families. But then there's an injury. There's a back pain. There's something on the job. Are you guys listening to me? And then they start popping those pills, and then they're depressed. They're not feeling good, and the pain goes away, and then they're still taking the pills. Brothers and sisters, I have a choice to make just like you have a choice to make. What are we going to do in our trials? We also look at the scriptures and we see that trials don't just come through our accidents and through our different situations that we have that possibly we could say, you know, well, thank God nobody died or, you know, you know everybody's okay, something like that when I was in the car accident. But you can also look at trials when people want to kill you. People want you to die. Like right now, Hamas is not looking at Israel going, well, we hope nobody dies. They're shooting rockets still. They want them to die. Well, I mean, there's a ceasefire now, but how many know in war? you want people to die. In the Ukraine and Russian war, they want them to die. Well, what do you do then? When our soldiers go to war, what do you do then? How about today when our police officers have to step out onto the, to the scene of a crime? There's, there may be people out there that want them to die, that want to kill a police officer. I was watching one of these videos about how they're trained, and so often police officers aren't ready for what awaits them. And when they're new, they're rookies, and they're nice, they, they are you know, not expecting what comes. Sometimes they die quickly on the force. It's sad. I was watching one. I think he was a rookie. He asked an old man to get out of a car. The old man was reaching for something. He said, don't do that, don't do that. He gave him all these warnings, but he kept reaching for it enough time for him to pull it out and kill the guy. 
They say they show that now to, to, to policemen in training, not to try to scare anybody who's in law enforcement here. But what would you say to somebody like that as a police officer? Well, God's with you in church on Sunday, but he's not going to be with you when you are on, on a dangerous crime scene or you're going out there to pull somebody over. Or those of us that have to face cancer, we've had people in our church have to face that. And all of a sudden, what are we going to say to them? Well, you know, just trust the doctors and, uh, you know, we'll see what God has for you, but I can't, I, I can't really promise you anything. No, we're supposed to look at them and say, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what comes out of this situation, the Bible says I can promise you joy. The Bible says right now I can promise you joy. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. The Bible says I can promise you that. You got trials, you're a recipient for God's joy right now. Amen. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Pull your number out, you're next in line. Come on, so often we say, oh me, oh my, we should be saying, oh yes, oh yes, hallelujah, Lord. I'm going to grow right now in my faith. And I'm telling you, so often you hear people talk like this, and then you say it's easy for them because they don't know. I'm serious. I've heard that so many times. You could have the man that I believe his name is Nick. He has no arms, no legs, and still somebody in that audience will say, well, you don't know what it's like to be a redheaded stepchild that wet their bed till they were eight years old, so you can't give me no hope through your story. Because anytime people hear your testimony, they're always going to say, nobody knows the troubles I face. I'm telling you, a single mom could come up here and say, well, God was with me when I was a single mom with two kids. And then some other single mom's going to go, well, I got five kids. They don't understand what I'm going through. Are you guys listening to me? Because we always make excuses. We, we, we basically want to limit the promises of God to someone else and don't want to take it on as ourselves. because you know what it requires of us? It requires faith. It requires us to get out the boat. It's not just Peter getting out the boat. It's me getting out the boat. How many would like to have been a, a friend of Peter and get out the boat that day and walk on water? Amen. I don't mean to put down the other disciples. I wasn't there. But I would like to say, man, I'm getting out with Peter. All right, we going, man. Let's go. One, two, three, you know. And, and you know what? You think about it. It sounds silly like that, but that's honestly what it is. You had everybody just watching Peter, step, you know, sit, they're sitting there watching Peter get out and walk. And then you know what? I'm sure, you know, because I know how guys are, that instead of complimenting him that he walked a little bit, they probably made fun of him a few days later for getting wet, you know. Oh, man, you remember Peter, man? He tried to walk on water. Look at him. And he got all wet. Remember when Jesus had to pick you up like a wet puppy and bring you into the boat? Come on. If you know fishermen, you know there's some lippy people, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're going to tell you it as it is. I used to fish all the time. I've been around fishermen. They're Talkers, okay? That's why there's, there's such thing known as a fisherman's tail or a fish tail, right? They're going to tell a story. Well, of course they're going to make fun of that guy. But I could just hear Peter saying, hey, 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 yeah, I fell. Yeah, he had to pick me up and hold me in his arms and be like my bodyguard and all that. But guess what? I walked on water. You guys stayed in the boat. I got out and walked on H2O, even if it was only two steps. You ever done that? Come on. And that's the way we need to look at the devil and say, devil, I don't care what you throw at me. Even if sometimes I feel like giving up and crying and all these things happening, I'm not going to give up on Jesus. I'm going to do something you didn't do, and that's not quit. You see, we get to have something the devil doesn't get to have. That's a second chance. That's a third chance. That's a fourth chance. Amen? We have to make a decision when our trials come upon us, and they are various, and they are going to come when we least expect them. And oftentimes, as I've said before, they come in twos and threes and fours and fives. We have to be ready to meet it with the rejoicing faith of God. Amen? 
I think about my life. Man, I got into a car accident two weeks ago. I haven't been in a car accident like that since the last time we were in the serious one with my wife. And then she had to go through something because her ankle was broke and had to get surgeries and six months of recovery. And mama had to be on the bottom floor, had to buy a bed and put it into the living room, then into the basement. So that was the last time I was in accidents. And you think now that the uh, devil's not trying to plan, a, a, you know, despair for me because after I've been into this accident, now I get into this thing with my feet, you know, my leg, whatever. The devil, he's just right there to take advantage of the situation. What do you think is going to happen next? I'm going to lose a tooth or something. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm blessed, but I'm just telling you, sometimes life gets messy. Sometimes it gets hard, but it doesn't matter. I've given... I, decided that I've given up my giving ups. I have quit my quits in Jesus' name. Are you listening to me? That's why I'm preaching to you right now. People are like, Pastor, maybe we need somebody else to preach. As long as I got a voice, I'm going to preach. And if I lose my voice, I'm going to sign language to you. All y'all going to learn it with me. I didn't know we were going to learn sign language. Yes, all Metro praise will be required to learn it because you're going to have to. I mean, we got other preachers, and they're going to keep preaching. You come to the first service. But when pastor comes, he's going to sign to you because I got to get it out. I have a calling on my life. And I'm not saying that I even understand what's ahead of me for the next six months. And I'm not even saying that it's always going to be easy. But here's something that I decided. I, I quit my quits. I'm going to doubt my doubts. Well, I doubt that I'm going to be able to snowboard again. I doubt that I'm going to be able to play basketball. I'm only here because I was playing basketball. I haven't played basketball in over 15 years, but I took up the sport for my son. Well, I don't know if I can play basketball again. I don't know if I can just, man, I doubt all of my doubts. When I think of my doubts, I just go, I doubt those. But see, what do we normally do? When we get a doubt, we take it so serious. Oh, it's so serious because it's a doubt, and it must be real. No, we need to look at our doubts and go, I doubt that. So I doubt I'll play basketball again. Well, I doubt that I won't play basketball again. Do you all get that? It's like a double negative. You're doubting your doubts. Tell the word of God to the thoughts that you have. If I was to ask each one of you to write down what trial and test are you facing right now, I'm sure you would have many. Oh, pastor, I'm facing this situation in my marriage. Pastor, I'm facing this situation in my finances, this situation in my family with my children. Pastor, you know, I just got into a car accident. I got some news about my family, you know, member over here just passed. These are things that we deal with in the church every single week. As I've said before, we've had weeks just like not, one not too long ago where we're having a birth of a child and a miscarriage of the child in the same week. Somebody say, God have mercy. I mean, how do you go through that? that? That could drive you crazy, you know, just trying to figure that out and be on the emotional roller coaster. Within one week as pastors, we're encouraging and saying to the one who lost their child, you have done nothing wrong. God is with you. He still loves you. He cares about you. God is, God is going to bring you through this. And then at the same time, you're calling up the next one. Congratulations. We're so happy for you. How's everybody doing? All the family doing great, great, wonderful. You know, that's, that's, that's a, an everyday life for us. And that can be like the way it feels like for you. That sometimes you're just in one situation and it's all good. And then in another situation, it's all bad. But what do you do? You go back to this scripture and you receive what God promised you, in a little while, whatever is bad right now in your life will pass. That's the first thing we have to understand is that in a little while this will pass. Now, the old timers used to have a saying that was similar to that and say, this too shall pass. How many have heard that before, right? This too shall pass. Now, that is true that it will pass, but that doesn't mean it will get better. Because sometimes people have heard attached to that, time heals all wounds. And how many know some old, bitter people to know time doesn't always heal all wounds? Hello, I said, does anybody know some old, bitter people up in here? Does anybody know some old, messed up people? Not all grandmas are nice and sweet. Come on, not all grandmas are nice and sweet. I know some, some ornery sinning grandmas. I'm not saying that we should disrespect them. But time does not heal all wounds. 
Grandpas can be ornery on their way to hell, not living for God, keeping in their bitterness. My grandpa was such an ornery, wicked sinner to the end of his life. You know what he did? He divorced my grandmother when she went into the nursing home because of Alzheimer's so he didn't have to pay the check out of his, um, out of his Social Security to help de- go towards her care. Some, somebody said that's wicked. See, some of y'all don't talk about your family like that. I do. Don't be soft on your family. Oh, you know, well, they're just my family. They're just, no, they're just wicked. Stop covering up for them. I'm not saying you have to be public about it. I'm a certain kind of sassy, okay? So I'm going to tell you my business. No, but my grandfather was wicked. My mother tried to stop him. What are you doing? You don't divorce your wife now so that you could save money on your social security. You're a wicked man for doing that. He'll bust hell wide open if he doesn't repent. Oh, but time heals all wounds. Didn't heal my grandpa. I said it didn't heal my grandpa. Are you listening? So you can't put off your healing to the time that lies ahead. First of all, you're not even promised that time. You better get your heart right right now. Sometimes people shake their fist at God and they get angry at him. Okay, so for example, of course, I'm not going to blaspheme God, but let's do what Job's wife told Job to do in his time of, of despair. God, I hate you that I ruined my Achilles heel and that I can't enjoy winter sports and hang out with my kids. Okay, did, did that example of cursing God change anything? No, I'm still here busted and disgusted. The only difference is now I'm on my way to hell without God. So what what did you do? If you're a Christian and you turn your back on God, as Job was tempted to do, if you do that, now you're in double trouble. The first troubles you already have. You're right where you started, right when you started cursing them. You're right back at that same place. And now you got the trouble of going to hell. I would rather go to heaven with Jesus through the troubles of life than to deny Christ through the troubles of life and then suffer with the troubles of hell. See, that's how Jesus talked. But see, a lot of times people don't, don't hear Jesus' words the way he meant them. Remember when Jesus said, it's better for you to go to heaven missing a leg or an eye or an arm than to go to hell with all your limbs. Remember when he said that? So he said, if anything causes you to sin, he said, cut it off. So if you're struggling with pornography today, it would be better for you to cut off your arm, be known as lefty, and make it to heaven than go to hell with two arms. It gets quiet when I preach like that. Hello, but I'll show that you're serious. We see a brother come to church next week. See him come to church like this, and he's all crooked. I poked out an eye, and I cut off my arm. I'm quitting pornography, pastor. But listen, without the Spirit of God, it's not going to work. That's just a metaphor. You need a Spirit of God to cut it off. But you know, come on, let's just be honest. You know, every single one of you, if I looked at your life, sat down as a pastor, and said, what are you dealing with right now? You have a temptation to be bitter towards God. My wife had a temptation to be bitter towards God when she got into her accident. Lauren, who struggled with cancer. Those of you who have lost family members this last year, those who have had uh, the loss of your children, miscarriages, come on, you, you know in the back of your mind, there's a part of you that has been tempted to blame God. You know, you, know, you maybe had a miscarriage and a thought comes in your mind, look at all these, these uh, parents that were going to help at these abortion clinics. They're murdering all their children, and then here I want to have a child, and I can't have a healthy one. Why, God? Come on, people have had those questions forever whenever our you know, members suffer with miscarriage because it's so common. It's like, man, here I wanted one. Why didn't I get one? And then others, you know, marriage is falling apart and different things, and oftentimes they say, man, my sinner relatives are having a better marriage than me. How in the world is this? I've seen people backslide on Jesus because of divorce because they can't get their marriages right, and then they look at the world and they go, well, the, the, the worldly person is still married. Man, maybe Jesus doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't work like that. No, it's that you are going through a trial and a test. You have to make up your mind how you're going to live for Jesus. 
Otherwise, you're just going to fall prey to every little whim that comes in your mind, and you're going to blame it on God. I said it from the very beginning. God uses these things, but God does not create these things. I am not superstitious. Like, you know, because I said something to my wife that day, now I'm going to tear my Achilles heel. How many grew up in a family where superstition was a part of why you got bumped on the head, stubbed your toe, fell down? You shouldn't have did that. That's why that happened to you. I only see one or two hands raised. I guess the rest of you don't want to tell on your family because I know there's a lot of us here that grew up and the idea was, well, that's what you get. That's what you get. No, that's not how God is with this. I'm telling you that right now because when you go to blame it on God, that's the devil's trick to get you to get out of your healing, to get out of your blessing. It's to now blame it on God. You lose the joy when you are blaming God. The joy comes when you trust God. You say, though he uh, may, may slay me, I still will serve him. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Get a little Catholic, you know what I'm saying? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the Bible. Where in this Bible was I promised my other Achilles attendant? Where was I promised that every day I would have this? Now, some of you might say, well, Joe, you were promised healing. Joe, you were promised these things. Yes, those are promises that I hold on to. But where was my name attached to every single one of those for all of my life? Because I see Christians throughout the Bible always going through suffering, always going through troubles, and they have to pray for that promise and hold on to it even if they die. My, my aunt died of bone cancer, and yet share and wicked sinners keep on doing what they're doing. This is what the, the author of Ecclesiastes said. You see one being righteous, and they'll live a short life. You'll see the one being wicked, and they'll live a long life. All the meaninglessness of the lives that we live. You see, without God, you'll get this kind of despair and this superstition in a sense. Well, maybe Cher is a better person than my sister. And by the uh, my aunt, rather, who died of bone cancer. And by the way, you'll even hear that in Hinduism and karma and these kinds of things. Is, you know, what goes around comes around. Oh, if you're sick, it's because of this, and it's because of that. And I know some Sometimes people are well-meaning and they try to offer you different things to help you in life. But how many know at the end of the day, sometimes bad things just happen to good people? It's not their fault. There's nothing they could have done to avoid it. It just happens. Can I hear an amen? As one famous person said, blank happens. How many have seen that bumper sticker before? Poopy happens is a PG way of saying it. How many know stuff happens? But God in his sovereignty uses it for good. How does God use our pains and trials and, and all these things for good? Is number one, look at this. He teaches us that they're short-lived. It's only for a little time. What am I supposed to realize in my time of pain is that it's only for a little time. You try to tell that to somebody on a good day, they don't listen to you. C.S. Lewis said, tell that to them in pain, they hear it. We don't hear oftentimes the gospel until we need the gospel. We, and that's why we start off by preaching to sinners that they're sinners. Because if you teach a sinner uh, that they're really just an okay person and that the gospel is somewhat of an upgrade, they're already a good person, you know, kind of like what the Roman Catholic teaches them, that's why when they hear the gospel, it doesn't sound like good news to them because they don't need it. But you tell them, man, you're going to hell without Jesus, and then you offer them the solution. Now they want it. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a difference, and it's the same thing. You talk to somebody right now on your job, man, they just got their promotion. Their marriage is going good. They got all the money in the world. Come to church with me. Man, they don't think they need it. You watch them go through a divorce. They'll be at your Bible study next week. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody who knows what I'm talking about? The moment they go, oh, I'm coming to that Bible study. That's why even a lot of you here were brought to church because of your troubles in life. Some of you came because you were already Christians. Others, as a, 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 others of you learned about Jesus. But many come to this church because of that reason. Oh, why are you in church? Well, I'm going through a divorce right now. 
oh, why are you in church? Well, my children, they're, they're not living right, and I need some help, and I've met one of your guys at the park. I'm telling you, oh, I'm bringing my brother right now. Oh, because he really needs to hear this. He just got out of jail. Or uh, this one sister I hadn't seen for a while. She had a mental breakdown. Oh, we're going to come back to church. It's always like that. Why? Because in, in the joys of life, when things are going well, we don't think we need God. But in the times of pain and trouble, the, the time that we need God, most of us are trying to build a relationship with him at the time we need him the most. And it's not, I'm not saying it's too late, but in many ways, it's at the wrong time. Now, God will receive you and take you in as you're facing problems, but I thank God today I don't have to work on my prayer life while I need a prayer life. See, that's like trying to fly a plane and put together a plane at the same time. That's why sometimes when people come out of their troubles, out of their situations in life, they don't feel like the church works or they don't feel like Jesus worked. Well, let's try, that's because you're trying to build the plane while you're flying it right now. Why didn't you come to church two weeks before your problems and learn how to pray, learn how to quote scripture, learn how to put your feelings under subjection? Because then you'll be ready for the funeral. Then you'll be ready for the times that come in your life. I don't believe that Christians go through life the same way the world does. There was a man that just got out of uh, the, the North Korean concentration camp. He was a Christian. And one of the things he said to people is that no matter how bad they tortured us, no matter how bad it was there, I never had a gloomy day. Now, how does a person say that like that? Does that mean he didn't get, uh, get pain when he was tortured? Does that mean he didn't feel the starvation? Does that mean he didn't weep when he saw his, his loved ones die? No, but he said, I'm going to put my joy in Jesus Christ. So if you put your joy in Jesus Christ, there's no jail cell that can take it away from you. If you put your joy in Jesus Christ, there's no relationship that can take that away from you. Sometimes even as we as Christians, we say these things and we need to be careful how we say it. Well, I don't know what I would do without you. Well, with Jesus, I know exactly what I would do without you. I would pray and read my Bible. Amen? Oh, come on, don't get quiet. My wife's here. She knows I've taught her this. I love her, but I'm being honest with what would I do without you. I'm going to pray without you, and I'm going to read my Bible. And the same God that blessed me is going to bless you. The same God that blessed me is going to bless you. you got to make your decision up. I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what. Hello, somebody. Oh, I don't know if I would lose a child. I don't know what I would do. And then you watch parents lose children. They lose their mind. And then they start remembering them every year, every birthday, every this, every this. It's like they're carrying around a skeleton with them everywhere they go. Hey, man, that person is not your Savior. Jesus Christ is. They're dust now, and you're a child of God before you're a mother. You better learn how to rejoice in the living, not the dead. Let the dead bury their dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Well, so-and-so would want me to do this, and well, so-and-so. You don't live for the dead. You live for Jesus. But you'll even see Christians do this. Memorialize the dead. Talk about the dead. Oh, so-and-so would want me to do No, we don't live for the I don't live for the dead. I live for Jesus. Now, can I honor the traditions that they've given me? Absolutely. If I've been handed a godly tradition, can I be a, a person of honor for that, for that right, you know, name Wyrostic or whatever? Absolutely. But I'm not here for the Wyrostics. I'm not here to honor that in that sense if it comes against my God. I'm here to honor Jesus. So this, this idea of, of what we would call like a sentimentality oftentimes gets in the way of us living for Jesus. Sometimes we think to ourselves, if I'm not feeling it, and if it's not fun, and if it's not exciting, and if it's not like romantic, then I'm not going to do it. No, that's not how Christians are. Christians live for Jesus whether it feels good or it doesn't. So when people were asking me like, hey, are you going to preach? Absolutely I'm going to preach. As long as I can preach, I'm preaching. 
I'm not going to stop working for Jesus. I'm going to keep doing all that I can, you know, within reason. I'm not going to try to run a marathon for Jesus right now until I'm healed. Amen. But I'm going to do as much as I can. And then once I get my diagnosis, I'm going to hobble around for Jesus until I get healed, either by miracle or by the recovery of the body. And that's the same thing if you had cancer. Why would that change? While I have cancer, I don't know if I'm going to live for Jesus like I used to. I, I don't understand that. If I had cancer, that would give me more reasons to live for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Well, if my husband doesn't come, I don't know if I'm going to come. Man, to hell with that. If your husband wants to go to hell, you don't need to go with him. Amen? You better decide I'm going to heaven. Well, I don't know if one of my kids, I don't know what I'll do if they wouldn't stop, you know, if they stop serving the Lord, you know. I'll keep going to church without them. I'll see them on judgment day and wave to them and say, you should have made the right decision. I told you so. Amen. A lot of times people get upset like that and they think that's pride. You know, they think that's pride because the world has an understanding of pride and the church has an understanding of pride. See, the world's understanding of pride oftentimes has to do with this false humility, has to do with this kind of self-abasing. And then they say, if you talk confidently or you talk as if you believe Jesus is special or that your life is different, that somehow you feel you're better than them. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Don't be ashamed of your relationship with God. You are a king's kid. You are favored. You are not like them, and yes, you are better off than them. Amen? We are all not the same as sinners. We are saints. We are children of the God, Lord God Most High. We are a peculiar people, a called out people. We are a different family. Amen? We belong to a different kingdom. We walk differently. We talk differently. We go to our funerals differently. I remember when I went and buried one of my uh, uh, you know, professors, and I've told you about it here before, Pastor Wade Sutherland. Man, when I walked into that church, it was a gospel concert. We buried our people differently. Amen. I've been to a lot of I've been to a lot of funerals, but I have never been to one where they're clapping their hands, jumping and shouting and testifying. When I went to my friend Brandon's funeral, the same thing. The worship came, the worship went up and the blessings came down. I saw the widow who had lost her husband. You know, here they are, this young adult couple. She lost her husband preaching to us about the goodness of God. And I said, that's how we go to funerals. We don't go to funerals like the world goes to funerals, and we don't lie either. We don't have to lie about people's lives. We tell the truth, amen? I want my life to be a testimony, not that you have to come up there and make up something, but to be able to say, hey, this pastor lived for Jesus. He did the right thing by God's grace. He left a legacy with his family. Let's follow that example and go on for Jesus. So number one, problems are short-lived. They are. They can't last forever when you're with God. Your trials and your tests will go away. I've always thought to myself, what would I do if I was in persecution? Would I remain sassy, you know, if I got caught by Muslim terrorists, or would I, you know, cower? And I pray that I can stay sassy for Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? Because one of the things that I've planned that I wish I could say to the Muslim is, hey, hey, come here, just a little, a little bit closer. Come here, come here. I'm willing to die for this like you, but the only difference is, is I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. Let's get started. Honestly, I just want to tell them right off the bat, whatever you are willing to die for, for your false God, I'm willing to die right now. You're willing to strap on a bomb and go into that plane? I'm willing to die right now. You don't even have to wonder what kind of Christian I am. I'm not crying out for mama. You're not putting me, because I would watch some of these tapes, these people screaming and all of this. That's what the terrorists want. I would just look at them and say, I'm going to die with the glory of God on my lips right now. And then you know what? Then I saw some of these other ones, like those guys who were brought there in Syria on their knees before that, 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 that ocean right there. And it says uh, that when they were being uh, murdered with that sword, that they were quoting the Lord's prayer in their language. That's how I'm going out in Jesus' name. I'm not letting fear take away the joy of the Lord. 
I'm not letting a bad day take away my love for Jesus. So often we put these things as idols in our lives, and then we make those problems look like they're going to live forever, and then that it's, it's, it's us that's temporary in our soul, when it's exactly the opposite. I can only be beat so many times before I go to an eternal heaven with Jesus. Amen? I said, I can only be beat so many times. And this is exactly how Jesus talked. But many people don't hear this. Jesus said, do not fear the one that can only kill your body. He said, fear the one that can destroy your body and your soul in hell. See, brothers and sisters, if we fear God, we won't fear our troubles. We won't fear them. Can I hear an amen? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. If this hasn't gotten on your nerves yet, it's going to right now. Because God now calls every one of your problems light and momentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. God called every single one of your problems in mind light and momentary. Every single one of you can possibly imagine. What about the horror movie that I just saw? That's light and momentary. Why? Because God is thinking on an eternal level. Hell lasts forever, people. Your soul is worth more than anything you could possibly imagine right now. There is nothing you can give in exchange for your soul right now. Your soul will forever be in hell or with God in his presence. You have right now every opportunity to choose that destination. And so every day you are living with eternity at stake. Every single day. Somebody say every day. Every day you are learning to trust that choice that you made at some point. If you've already trusted Jesus, you're learning every day to trust him more. How many can say amen to that? And if a sinner is out there, they're learning how to trust that decision. But how many know they're getting on shakier and shakier grounds? They're starting to watch their world fall apart. That's why right now they're trying to figure out how long they can stay alive in a cryo chamber so that they can be rejuvenated. That's why in all these sci-fi movies they want to put into your mind that they can somehow download your brain into a computer and upload it because these rich and powerful people, they don't want to die. They want to keep living because that's how much they love their life. But they realize the older they get, and no matter how much plastic and cement they inject into their body, into their lips, into every part of them, that they're still going to die. How many have ever looked at somebody you thought was beautiful or handsome in the past and now you look at them with all of that surgery and you look at them like a little bit like you feel sorry for them? I do. I feel so bad for them. You know why? Because they've idolized that and now they can't live without it. Let me age gracefully. Let me age the way God intended me to age. Now, if you you got extra money and you want to put some silicone here and there, we won't judge you. We'll still let you come. Amen. But we will start to question you after you start to look like Donald the Duck, you know, coming out like that. Or when, you know, you you change in all types of ways and wanting us to look at you more, we'll then say, hey, just to let you know, you you don't have more of our attention. We loved you just before, just as much as we did before. So I tell that to people, even with the tattoo kind of people, you know, you guys can have as many as as you want, but they don't impress me, okay? You're not more cooler because you got them, amen? I said, amen. You just having tattoos don't make you cool, piercings, all of that. So, But listen to me, brothers and sisters. You and I have a choice to make. Do we trust that decision today that we made whenever we got saved more and more, or are we walking away from that foundation? See, every day I'm learning to trust in that decision more and more. When I first got an understanding of this scripture, it was when I was speaking to my grandmother as she was coming in and out of dementia. This is the scripture right now. If anybody's seen the notebook, that is very true to how it is for people who deal with dementia and Alzheimer's. They come in and out. My grandmother, awesome cook, would be putting uh, pumpkins in the oven, pumpkins, in the, like whole pumpkins, thinking she was cooking a turkey, you know. 
And then she would come back, and then she would say, you know, oh, that was silly. That was silly. Yeah, I shouldn't have did that, you know, because she would have, you know, to, you know, her sense come back. But then it would go away, and then it would, you know, come in and out, come in and out until they're just gone, okay? Well, I remember talking to my grandmother, and I was only about 19 years old. I was a young man at that time, and I had the Lord tell me the scripture, encourage her with this. And I want to tell you something. I didn't even know what I was reading then, but I understand it a whole lot more right now. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. You think I felt that at 18, 19 years old? You think I felt I was wasting away? Come on, y'all. You think I felt that? No, I didn't feel. I was just saying that. I didn't feel. I feel it now. How do you think my tendon breaks? Wasting away. Hello? How do you think this hair changes? Wasting away. How do you think you get this turkey neck right here? Wasting away. Come on, gobble, gobble. Seriously, I get a turkey neck more and more every year. I got to lose more weight, but I'm like, it, it, it doesn't change. It just seems like it gets more droopity and droopity. It's wasting away. There used to be muscle there keeping it tight. I had a strong chin, but you're wasting away. We're all wasting away. Had my wife run into my office the other day. I'll tell on her just a little bit. And guess what she was crying about? Well, not literally, but she was, she was moaning. Look at this gray hair. Look at this. Is this a gray hair? I think I just found my first gray hair. Yeah, poor thing, in her 40s, got her first gray hair. By the time I was 40, I was almost all gray. I was an early grayer, poor thing, right? But that's the way we feel. We feel invincible until it starts to go away. I said this to my grandmother as if I understood it at that time. Now, of course, faith is what we use when we don't understand it all. So I didn't have to understand it all for the word of God to have power. All I had to do was have faith in it. Can I hear an amen to that? But now I understand it even more so. That though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what do I have to be sad about? If I believe that, I have something to rejoice in. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord greatly, though for now in a little while you have to suffer through all kinds of trials. Well, what are we rejoicing in? Well, we're rejoicing. They can't last as long as my renewal can last. The devil can't keep bringing death as much as God can keep bringing life. He only gets to take possession of the body to death. That's where the curse ends. And I come into glory with my spirit and then at the resurrection I am forever like my Jesus, body, soul, and spirit glorified. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, brothers and sisters? So my renewal is greater than my degradation, than all that's happening to me. That's why I rejoice in. I was sitting there, and once again, I'm, I'm not trying to say I lost leg and limb. I have a Purple Heart veterans next door to my house that have brain injury, lost part of her leg. I'm not trying to say I'm her, but how many know I'm talking about a trial today for me? Amen. I'm talking about a trial for me. They're in there telling me, Achilles heel, it's the death of all athletes. You're done now. And how much pain are you? And you're probably going to be worse tomorrow. Remember that nurse Nancy speaking all negative and all of these things. You know what I just said to myself? It's a good day with Jesus no matter what I face. I'm going to, have a good, I'm going to get through this by God's grace. I'm not going to let fear take over because fear won't bring about anything good ever. Ever. Fear never brings about anything good. Even if you're facing a lion, being afraid of a lion and just looking at it being afraid, it's not going to help you. It's fight or flight time, baby. Are you listening? Just simply letting fear paralyze you will not help you. You have to make that decision. What am I going to do in these times, in these trials and tests? And I just started to think about how, God, how good God has been my whole life. 
I've had two legs, two arms, two eyes, two ears, 46 years. Who am I now to complain about this? I've been blessed pain-free for more days than I could ever count. And so many of those days I forgot to say, thank you, Jesus, I'm pain-free today. How many of you woke up pain-free? Be honest. Most of us woke up. Some of you still got pain. You're getting older. But how many woke up pain-free? Okay. Did you thank God for it? How many thank God for it? You got to get in that habit. God, I thank you today I don't have any pain. God, I thank you I'm in my right mind. See, that's what the old timers used to say. My mom used to go to a church that was full gospel. And she said, you know, a lot of times these African-American women come up and they don't have much to say. But they'll just say, thank you, Jesus. You woke me up and I'm in my right mind. And here my mom, I'll just be honest with you, being a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, thinking she's highfalutin, doesn't need to do that. She said, can't they think of something else? But watch this. My mother now at 80 years old wakes up and says, Jesus, thank you for waking me up in my right mind. She learned something from those African-American mamas who were coming up there. It wasn't that they didn't understand there wasn't other things. Yeah, I mean, be thankful for a job, be thankful for my kids and all of these things. But they realized in their old age, as they used to say, you know, the mamas of the church, they realized in their old age that there was enough to be thankful. Just right there in their own mind, having their own mind to give a praise, hallelujah, shout glory, you know, to God right there. And that's when, that's when you realize, it's like, man, I've been blessed all these years. How many times have I given them thanks for it? You know, i got to get better at that. i got to remind myself to give God thanks for the, the other leg that i got right here that's working good. i got to remember to thank God for that now. i got to thank God for all the family that I have that loves and cares about me. i got to thank God for the chances for me to preach the gospel because i got new people to talk to. One time in the, the persecution or the, the concentration camp, in Romania, when Richard Wombrandt was being tortured, I think I've told you this before, they were brainwashing him, or at least trying. They were using psychological warfare. The communists were in the 50s as they conquered, uh, the Russians conquered Romania and were taking over all those areas. And they had tried to convince him that his whole family had turned against God. They had become communists. That his congregation had turned, turned against God and had become communists. And so in other words, pastor, why are you, why are you still suffering? There's nobody to go back to. There's, there's no Romania that you recognize. It is now, you know, the communist Romania. What, what are you going to do now? And then, you know, what Richard Wombrandt said back to the man that was torturing him saying that, he said, well, then I guess you're the congregation I have to preach to because I'm still a preacher. Think about that. He said, I'm going to preach to the one torturing me. Why? Because he believed in Jesus. He didn't stop believing in Jesus. And, of course, those were lies. His actual family was being persecuted themselves, being told the same thing. But thank God he didn't give up. As one sister said, just because you go with a train under a bridge or through a tunnel doesn't mean the sun disappears. It just means you can't see it for a little while. But what do you have to do? You have to trust the conductor that you're coming out on the other side. Amen. So it doesn't matter what you're going through today. Do you believe there's another side? And I, I'm telling you, and I've said this a hundred times, and I will keep testifying about it because the Lord told me this, because I do believe in faith healing. I do believe that God can do miracles. But when I saw my aunt die of bone cancer, she was the most faith-filled person that I knew, along with my parents. And she had become a Christian early in her adult life, like my mom and dad, coming out of Catholicism. And she was on fire for Jesus, man. She loved Jesus. She would go to revival services and pray. And here she is dying of bone cancer. There was a lesson that God gave me. There. That's why I always tell this to you and share and encourage with you. Because when I went in there, she's hooked up in hospice care, high on morphine. You know what? That was the same time my wife had been in the accident. You know what she said to me? Joey, I've been praying for you and your wife. How are you guys doing? See, that's what a Christian does. See, a Christian says, I may be sitting here high on morphine because I'm about ready to die of cancer, but I'm still praying for you. 
And I believe, believe those prayers were being answered. And then guess what? While she was dying, I've said this many, many times, she said to me, I know I'm healed, Joe. I know I'm healed. Whether I get up from this bed or not, I know I'm healed because Jesus is my healer. And I could just imagine, not trying to say that anybody at this time was, but I could just imagine that there would have been some sassy nurse or hospice care worker there going, Psst, get a load of this one. This one, those crazy Christians. She's sitting here thinking she's healed, hitting the morphine every five minutes. She can't even walk in, but she's about ready to die. She's thinking she's healed. Isn't that such a joke? Look, where's her God now? She's not healed. She's dying. And what do I always say to that? She said, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, until she closed her eyes, woke up in heaven, and Jesus said, you're right, daughter, you are healed. Because you're getting your blessing one way or another. This life is not it, baby. It's not where it all ends. This is where it just begins. This is the introduction. This is not as good as it gets. I feel sorry for the movie stars who think this is as good as it gets. I'm sorry that Russell Crowe now is a bit heavier than he was in Gladiator and they try to make fun of him and all that. But I'm telling you what, Russell Crowe, as your body is wasting away, your spirit can be renewed and one day you're going to have the body of Jesus Christ. Just don't trade it for the temporary pleasures of this world. Brothers and sisters, we have a, a glory that waits us. So number one, what do we learn? That these troubles are temporary, but our renewal, it's every day. Our renewal is greater than anything that we face. Something happened here before I read verse 17 that, that, that changed me and my, my way of looking at this because I began to feel as a pastor, and you all are going to hear me on this and hear my heart, but I, I felt as a pastor I had to convince you guys of stuff on Sunday. And I, and, I, and I like to be animated and I like to be, you know, just, I like to be strong and all of that. But I got, the Lord did something in my heart. And he started to tell me later on in my life, just maybe about three years ago, he started telling me, you know what, you don't got to convince them of anything. You just get up there and believe what I've told you, and the ones who are going to believe are going to believe. But listen, you're going to go out there and get what you need to get, and those are going to get what they need to get. But you can't force the other ones to come with you. And I know that sounds kind of harsh. I know it does because I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher, and I want everybody to get what I'm sharing right now. I, I do. But I just have to stop right now and, and get you to understand this. I will be saying stuff like this to the day I die, and yet every step of my life, people are going to be naysaying me the whole entire time. When I first got off drugs, they said he's going to go back. I haven't gone back in almost 30 years. When I got free from anxiety, they said, oh, that's just as a temporary solution. You're still going to be prone to anxiety. Haven't had to, haven't had to deal with it in that same way in over 20 years. Same thing with my marriage. People have said, you know what, having kids, having all this changes that dynamic. And yes, there are changes, but you won't have the same romance and you won't be as close. And here we are 18 years later, closer than we've ever been. And those friends are already divorced, doing whatever they're doing. Every step of the way to the point, I want you to be, I want you to listen to me and be my accountability here. To the point, I had to get another book uh, from Lester Summerall about how to die as a Christian because he wrote a book. He wrote so many books, and God told me he wrote a book about how to die. Goodbye, planet Earth. And he had to write a book about that because so many people said, Well, when you get old and you get sick, you're not going to be a faith man anymore. You're not going to believe God for miracles anymore. And he had to sit and write it as a testimony, and I had to read it to believe that you could live your whole life this way because so many people, even Christians, have tried to tell me at some point it changes. And I had to get over that. And I'm just letting you know right now, it's your choice right now. Because I can't be the faith in your heart. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ for yourself. I cannot do that. I can't do it. I can preach the word and help activate it. But you have to be that one that catches it. 
Every single one of you, brothers and sisters, I'm being truthful with you right now. You have to be the one that catches it because otherwise the troubles and the trials of this life will choke you out. And every time they have choked people out, I have heard the excuses. One of my best friends in Bible college, way better preacher than me, had his firstborn child come out stillborn, die right in his arms, you know, be dead in his arms. That man left the church, left his wife, didn't come back for years. And what did he put up in all those people's head in that church? Well, God is good, but not all the time. Don't we always say God is good and all the time God is good? Don't we say, but see, what did that preacher put in everybody's head then? Well, God's not really good all the time. Because if I lose a baby after I'm the man of God of faith and power for the hour, then God must not be real. He just walked right away from Jesus. I watched another brother give his whole heart to Jesus, go as hard as he could, and then a homeless person turn on him, become bitter towards him, say he wasn't a man of God, and here was this guy taking people into his house, bringing in the homeless. But this guy got so in his head to say, you're not a good man. I've been around your marriage. You're not a good husband. You're not a good father. He quit on God. And I remember going to his house and looking at him, and I said, your wife told me, you used to do this, and you used to do this, and you used to do this. And when I talked to him, his eyes were blind. Oh, yeah, I used to do that, but I don't anymore. Yeah, ministry can be hard. One of the first jobs that I had roofing and doing work with these guys, I met a Christian had just left the Bible college I was trying to go into, and he was a pastor that graduated that Bible college, and they wouldn't even take me because they said I wasn't saved enough. So here I meet one of their graduates that was a pastor, and he was smoking cigarettes saying, I'm done with all that Jesus stuff. You don't know what it's like to be a pastor. You don't know how many times you'll be disappointed. You don't know all the pain you're going to go through. Save yourself the trouble now. This guy tried to talk me out of it that day on the job. Everybody's always going to be with you, and they're going to try to tell you things if they're negative to get you away from it. And I'm, I'm just here to give you some freedom. It is not your job to convince them. It is not my job to convince you that Jesus is good every day, but it is my responsibility to live it out for myself and share with others who want to know how to do that. That boy that was crying on that video, that's not my example. I, I refuse to be that guy. Now, if I have to shed a tear one day when the snow gets really deep, today it's not so bad, but I already bought my, bought my uh, you know, pass to go snowboard and bought a brand new snowboard. I'm going to miss the whole season. There may come down a little tear, a little, little quiver of my bottom lip, but listen to me. I, I will not take on that spirit that I saw that man have. I will not let depression come over me. I will not let it wash me away. The Bible says when the, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will rise up a standard. I've had people argue with me over this, and then I've said, okay, because, you know, whatever problem I have is not as big as yours. Let me get a cancer survivor. And then that's where I got that joke that I was telling. Oh, but it's not my cancer. Oh, let me get a single mom. Oh, but she doesn't have as many kids as I have. At some point, you have to decide in your heart right now, am I going to waste away or be renewed? Because you can't put your mind on both. You cannot put your mind today on you being renewed while you're thinking about how you're wasting away all the time. Well, I'm just so old. My body's just falling apart. My life is changing. My friends are gone. I told you guys a story the other day. We just got a message. One of my friends was shot in his, uh, his uh, uh, apartment complex with his, by his roommate. He died, and he used to be a member of this church. You see, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to let that depress me. Why? Because I'm getting renewed every day. 
Every day, if you're alive, is a good day with Jesus, irregardless of circumstances and situations. So number one, troubles pass. Number two, the renewal never ends. And this is also a promise of eternity. When people think about what is heaven, we don't have any more troubles. We don't have any more battles to face. What is the kingdom of God on earth like? It's renewing ourselves in the image of God more and more and more because God is eternal and has no end, and so we'll never reach the renewal of the end. As Think about this. As vast as God's knowledge is, you'll always be learning things about him. The Bible talks about growing in our knowledge of God. Think about this. As deep as, love's God, as God's love is, is as deep as you'll be going in the love of God. Think about the thing. I mean, come on, take a moment. Think about everything now that's meaningful. If you could reduce all of life's experiences, what does it come down to? The knowledge and things that you're learning and the emotions that you're feeling. Can I hear an amen? Come on, think about it. Everything in life is reduced down to that. You're learning. Why do I like to snowboard? Because I learn about it. I get out there and I learn a skill. I do something. And then what does it do? I feel something. I'm learning something and I feel something. How many know life is just that? When I'm with my wife, I learn about my wife and I feel something about my wife. When I'm with my kids, I learn something about my kids and I feel something about my kids. Are you all listening to me? Well, what do you think the kingdom of God is with Jesus Christ for all of eternity? Learning and feeling, learning and feeling. What are you learning? You're learning more about God. You're learning about the one who made the universe. You're learning about the one who made every single plant. I love meeting those kinds of people throughout my life, you know. Oh, what are you? I'm a botanist. Oh, what are you? I'm a biologist. And I go, oh, that's so cool. I know the one who made everything you're studying. I know that one. His name is Jesus, and he's pretty interesting too. And I'm glad you study this stuff because we need that on this earth. It helps us. The botanist can give us medicine. Understanding the plants, the biologist knows how to make life better for all of us, right? So that's all great. But here's the thing. Are you studying the one who made it? Are you studying the one who made plants? Are you studying the one who made the, the stars of the sky if you're into stars? You know, we shouldn't let the astrologists outdo us in stars. I'm into the stars. I just know the one who made them. Amen? I'm not into trying to predict my life off of him, but I'm into giving glory because God named every single one of them. You know about 12 of them in these zodiac signs. My God knows every trillion one by name. Amen? And he knows every twinkle of them. So, brothers and sisters, remember this as, as I'm going through this with you today. As, and, and I know, uh, you know, you're going through your own situations that they don't last forever, and the renewal does. I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm putting my mind under renewal. I'm thinking about what my life is going to be like with my kids for the next, uh, you know, six to eight months. So let's say today you're not going through something that, that's as trivial as me. Maybe you're going through cancer. We've had that in our church. Okay, what are you going to do through your treatments? Bring your Bible with you. Get to learn more about each book of the Bible. Say, when I go to three hours of treatment, I'm going to read a New Testament book, and I'm going to study it with a commentary. You'll be surprised how fast the three hours will go. You might say to yourself, well, I'm not going through anything like that, Pastor. It's just the steady drip of life, you know. It's just that leaky faucet. You know, it's, it, it's that thing that just is there, and you just don't change it. You know what I would say? That's the, the, the new thing of that is, is those of you here that don't change your fire alarm, and it's just beep, beep in the back. Anybody ever been on a Zoom call with somebody? And then about every 20 minutes, beep, 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 beep. I'm always like, listen, I will pay you to buy a battery right now and change that thing for me right now. Okay, but that's, but that's that little annoying thing. Some of you just might be in that right now. Listen to me. You better take this time as an opportunity to grow in a valley to get ready for a mountaintop. 
Some of the guys that I follow, they're into stocks and bonds, you know, and they make all these money, uh, you know, trading. You ask them, what did they used to do? Some of them, you know what they say? They say, oh, I was a, uh, you know, one of those people that drove, drove the cars. I, uh, what are those people who, uh, when you drop off your car to a hotel? Valet, yes. One guy was like, I was a valet. And during every single time that I was waiting for cars, I was looking at the stock market. No wonder that guy kicks my butt every time I come in. Because I'm thinking I'm going to be at the stock market. I'm so much smarter than this kid. He don't know a lot. Remember, Nancy, when I would lose money? I'm just going to come in here. These kids can do it. I can do it. No, I wasn't hungry for it like him. He was, he was sitting down on every break looking at it for 10 hours throughout the day. Are you all tracking with me? It's, it's, it's how you get to where you need to be. So if right now you're saying, man, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going through these little trials and tests. You know, it's like a thousand cuts. I'm dying by a thousand cuts. You better take your opportunity to, to man or woman up, get your armor strong so that you can face that next thing in front of you. There's no wasted time with God. Every time I go out wakeboarding, these old, you know, believe it or not, I'm actually a cool kid with the cool kids. I know that sounds weird. Sounds a little braggadocious, I know. But trust me, they're like, what are you doing out here, dude? You're 46. You shouldn't be out here. But I love it, and I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care how many times I get injured. By the way, I didn't get injured doing that. I got injured doing something else, basketball. You know? But watch this. This is what I always say to those guys. They're like normally in their 30s. And, they, and I, you know, it's so funny. One just wrote me today saying, hey, can we go uh, snowboarding together? Pray that I reach these guys. Amen? They, they, they love me. They look up to me because they see I'm athletic, and I'm doing stuff they can't do yet. Right? I'm not saying I'm the best, but I'm doing stuff they can't do. And then they look at me, and they go, you're not better than me. You're not stronger than me. Many of them have six packs, you know, which is my dream body to get back. Talk about being renewed. I want to get that back. And uh, they say, how do you do it? And I'm just being honest with you. You know what I tell them? I say, I go out there and I put in laps. Lap after lap after lap. See, that's where it comes from. That's where that endurance comes from, isn't it? Lap after lap after lap. You see, they want to come out there as a weekend warrior and do the tricks that I'm doing. No, you don't get there as a weekend warrior. I'm sorry, there's no cheat codes here. You don't get it like that. you got to fall down as many times as I've fallen down. I've got skid marks on my leg of me sliding across plastic for about a half a foot, and it left my skin wide open for a couple days. I've got, you know, the bruises and, and bumps to show for it. So you want what I have, you got to go through what I went through. Oftentimes, people will see the glory, and they won't understand your story. But brothers and sisters, do not let this go by you without you taking advantage of the test in front of you to pass it. If God gave you a test, what do you think he wants you to do with it? He wants you to pass it. If I come out of this with the same faith, then I failed. Did you hear me? I said, if I come out of this test with the same faith I had before I got my injury, then I failed. I wish I could point at some of you right now and just go right to counseling. It would be embarrassing, but they do it on Dr. Phil, so I should go for it. You should get over it. Put the camera on my next guest, please. Seriously, because I want to ask. I, I really wish I could, but I want to ask some of you. you getting stronger through your test? You better, because listen to me. God did not plan for that to happen, but he has a plan now that it happened. And the plan is for you to come out stronger. So, yeah, you're sad. And, yeah, there's been some hard times. And I'm, I, I know many of you have gone through way more than I have ever gone through. But, listen, I know how to pass some tests. And you need to learn how to pass them. Because if you don't know how to learn or, or, or learn to live without that loved one, then the devil now has your card. Because guess what? You're going to go through life with a lot of funerals. And every time you do, get ready to Prozac. Get, get ready to go through your depression because that's just what happens to you, and that's all the devil has to do. 
Or if somebody says something mean about you on Facebook and you go ballistic and you do it, then that's all they have to do. And if a boss threatens you and then tells you this and that, all you have to do, you know, all the devil has to do is get you to lose your testimony. Then that's what he's going to do from this point on. I was told that early on in Christianity, and I've seen it play out a hundred times. Once the devil knows your weak spot, he will not let up. Once he knows he's got you, he does not leave you alone in that area of your life. If I said to myself, well, you know what? I deserve to, to take a few days off, but the Lord told me not to. The devil will be right there as he was with David and say, now that you're taking a couple days off, I'm glad that you got more time for me. Hello? I hear people talk like this all the time. I want to take some time off from ministry. Well, you better be careful with that. Your schedule may be wrong, but listen, don't ever take off time from ministry. You're a Christian. You are in Christ's service to the day you die. I hear pastors talk like that all the time. I need a sabbatical. No, you need to get saved again, brother. You need to get on fire again. You need to come back to this altar. I'm telling you, I had my Pentecostal friends tell me that they were going to go spend a few weeks at a Catholic monastery to get rejuvenated in the ministry. I said it wasn't a Catholic monastery that set you on fire as a young man when you were preaching in your high school and preaching on the streets. It was the power of the Holy Ghost. Get back to the Holy Ghost. That's what will set you back on fire, not some Catholic monastery. Let's go learn how to meditate. Now, that's not what puts you on fire, soldier. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. These tests, they have pass or fail in them. And if you, don't lose, if you don't learn from it, you go through them again. And I'm not saying, you, you know, in a superstitious way, well, I'll break my next heel or, uh, you know, uh, you, you go through another car accident. No, but I'm saying you will go through more trauma and you'll find yourself at the same grade level you were at this time. We got to graduate to next level faith. That's why the people that I admire aren't the people that are on the television and the ones with the biggest shows and all that. I admire the nameless and faithless who have been faithful to Jesus no matter what they've been through. Because those people who are on TV, they come and go, don't they? We've seen some in our generation already come and go. You can't find them right now. Another one, another mega church pastor already left the faith, and now he's destroying the faith of the church he used to be a part of. I would rather you know a pastor that was holy, humble, you know, lived with his wife, obeyed the word of God, was faithful to his children, and then you did know me as a pastor of a thousand people. Hey, what, what do you like about Pastor Joe? He's a great preacher. Is it because he's funny? You go out and do outreaches. He wrote some books. No, I love Pastor Joe because he loves Jesus. I love Pastor Joe because he loves to go out and keep God's commands. That's it, man. It's, it's, it's are we doing what God called us to do? Are we passing our tests? Because they don't last forever. And then number two, you're supposed to be renewed. Now look at verse 17 as Lawrence comes, please, in, quick, uh, in closing quickly. Because here's the third point. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. We're making a trade while we're passing these tests for rewards that are greater than what we went through. One of the things that I've learned in trading stocks is that there's this thing called leverage, and leverage can blow you up, and I'm not a financial advisor, and please do not listen to me when it comes to your money, okay? Just do not listen to me. But I'm going to give you an example. The companies that you work with as a stock trader, they want to lend you more money because when you lose it, you don't lose theirs, you lose yours. So let me just explain this in terms that everybody can understand. Imagine you have $100, and you want to buy $100 worth of stock. But I say to you, I'll lend you $1,000 for your $100. Would you do it? Now, this is where they get people. They trick them. And I've done it out of my ignorance. Sure, man. I already feel I'm right. I feel Tesla's going up. I'm going to buy it. Sure, man. If I was going to buy it with $100, I'll buy it with $1,000, right? But then now here's the problem. 
When your money starts to go away, they take away yours first, and they get theirs out the way. So in other words, I got $1,000 on the line. The moment the problem happens and I go down $100, the trade is over. You got called on margin. It's called a margin call. Are you guys listening to me? You're learning something in church today. They protect their money and let my money burn up. So you think you're safe because, hey, you know, they're just lending it to me, and it's my, my, my money that guarantees it. But what you don't understand is that while you put that on the line, your losses now are going to be amplified. And I want you to get this right here. You will face an amplification either of God's glory or of your troubles. Because if you're with the Lord, your troubles start to decrease in their, in their impact on your soul as the glory of God increases. Because if you're trading by margin, listen to me, y'all. If you're right, now instead of just making $100 where I would have doubled 100 now if I'm right, I make 1000 so do people use margin? That's up to, you know, should you use margin? That's up to you. But here's what God is saying. I'm giving you my glory on margin. You're only going to go through this much of problems, but I'm going to give you this much of glory. Are you willing to take that risk with Jesus? Are you willing to invest into God's kingdom? Because if you don't, then you're going to impact your life in a negative way, and that will increase on margin as well. Because the Bible says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you think this is hell on earth? Oh, no, this ain't hell on earth. I tell that to people all the time. You think this is hell on earth? You're not even close to hell on earth. You, you, on this earth, you can still hear a baby's laugh. How many like baby's laughs? On this earth, you can still feel the heat of the sun. How many know it's out there somewhere on a day like today? And somebody's feeling it in Florida. But how many know there's nothing like feeling the sun kiss? Of a beautiful sunny day. How many have ever felt that before? You all a bunch of northern igloo uh, Eskimos here. How many like the sun? Come on, help me preach. Listen. You love that sun, right? And it kisses you. That's not hell on earth. How many have ever had a good meal and you enjoyed it? Maybe Thanksgiving you enjoyed it, right? That's not hell on earth. You know what hell is? Hell is everything you've seen here that's evil with none of the good and all of it amplified to a, a margin we couldn't understand. Think about that. Oh, no, man, I don't need Jesus. I'm okay. I don't, I'm not afraid of hell. No, no, you need to be. Well, if hell is anything like this, I'll be fine. No, no, hell's not like Detroit, Hammond, or some bad neighborhood you've been to. No, 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 no. Hell is constant pain. Hell is constant turmoil. And I've had people say this to me who have understood hell, and they've said it to me like this. How in the world does 80 years of my life, even if I'm the worst of sinners, equal eternity without God? How does it equal eternity? Have you ever thought about that? It's a deep question. You're only here for 80, but you'll go to hell forever? And the rational mind, hey, at least put them to hell for 80 years. Maybe a little bit more if they did a bad life, you know, maybe 160, double it. But a sinner, hell, it's not 80 years, is it? You see, it's like that margin I was telling you about. You don't just lose a little, you lose a lot. But going back to when you win, you don't just win a little, you win a lot. Your life is on margin. These 80 years is the margin. This is what you're deciding to do for eternity. And this is what the Bible says, that the glory that we receive far outweighs anything we've gone through in comparison. Do you remember, Brother Carlos, when I brought in that long line that one time? 
and I colored in just a little bit of it black, and I said, that's your life is that little bit of mark of black. And then I started undoing that line, and it went out for yards and yards and yards and yards. And I said, that's what eternity is, time without end. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you today, can you find the joy in the midst of your suffering as you realize they don't last forever, that you're actually being renewed and passing tests and blessings are coming your way every day, and then lastly, the rewards you get will not even equal the pain you suffered. It will be so much greater, it's not even in comparison. The Bible says the eternal glory far outweighs them all. Will you take that journey now with Jesus? Will you decide in your heart today, no matter bad days, no matter the, the despair of my life, it doesn't matter emotional, it doesn't matter relational, financial, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And will you hold me accountable to it? Because that's how I want to be the rest of my life. I want to be every day full in for Jesus. I was there when my mother buried my sister, her daughter, and she was still going all in for Jesus. Would you be there for me if I had to bury one of my children and go all in for Jesus with me? Teach me how to pray through the hardship. Or what about if we go back into a, another COVID-type time? I don't mean to get anybody worked up, but my wife's already showing me the next flu that's passing around pneumonia in China. I don't know if anybody's seen that, trying to make you afraid. But, you know, the next disease, are we all just going to freak out again? Now let's put our trust on Jesus. Or what about all that you've put your hopes in for the future and it doesn't come to pass? Sometimes you look at the suicide rate, you think it would be highest among the teens, the young adults, the drug addicts. No. You know the suicide rate's the highest? Middle-aged men. Why? Because they worked their whole life and now they're looking at it going, for this, the golf membership, the car, the house in the suburbs, that's all I did this for? And most of them do it after the children leave the house. So now they're done. Not, not, now I don't have children in the home. What's the point of living anymore? It didn't turn out the way I thought it would. I thought I'd be happier as a doctor. I thought I'd be happier as a, those are some of the most highest suicide rates is among the successful and the wealthy. Check it on your own time. Why? Because they've lost focus over what they were here for. They weren't here just to make a few dollars and raise a few children. They were here for the glory of God. They were here every day to get renewed and to find a new joy in serving Jesus. That's why you're here. If you're learning something on your job today that you like, that's great. But even if you don't like what you're learning, think about what you're learning while you don't like what you're learning. You're learning how to love God through the boredom of life. Well, Joe, I just do the same thing over and over and over again. How do I find joy in that? Find joy. In the fact that he gave you a life to live. Why, why would we want him to give us more than what we deserve and act like when we don't get it, he's the bad one? You don't deserve to do anything. What, what if I was going to, you remember the uh, show where they did the factory work? I, that wasn't I Love Lucy, but it was, uh, what was those women? They worked on the factory line. Laverne and Shirley, thank you. Why do we think we deserve more than that? You could have more than that, but I'm just saying, why? What if that's all you did? You know what I would do? I would just be like every one of these. John 3, 16. God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not 
You could memorize the whole Bible to that cadence of putting that top on whatever they were doing. You and I get so spoiled in life. We think unless we're the highest in our class, the most paid here, the most healthiest here, that we don't have a good life. We weren't made for that. You'll be disappointed when you don't get that. You were made for the glory of God. Just a few more moments. Be patient with me. Do you know that people who have lived before us, say if we take human history as I do according to the genealogy of the Bible, 6,000 years, do you know that they've lived 5,950 years different than you and I have in the last 50 years? What do you think they lived like when they lived on a farm? They weren't entertained every day by the next thing, the next thing. They weren't taking pictures, sharing it with their friends. Think about even your grandparents. They didn't have what you had, and yet they were more content, especially if they were Christian. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My grandmother and, and her husband died as millionaires but still lived in the same family home. They didn't even spend the money that they had. They left a huge inheritance, lived in the same family home. Every time I went and saw her, she was wearing the same out, you know, outfit, that nightgown slash dress. I don't know which one it was, but she was always wearing that fit. Only time I ever saw her dress up is when, you know, went out to a family function, same pair of shoes, ate the same food. And yet, I'm being honest, we got people in this church on food stamps that keep bragging about they go to Fogo de Chao, this, this, and that, but you on food stamps. People living in the ghetto. When I used to work in all the nine different housing projects, I would go there on Christmas Day, boxes filled to the top, everybody coming out with Jordans, everybody at that time it was FUBU, everybody coming out with the nicest things, and they still living in the projects. I look at this generation, man, they're bored. Some of you are bored in church right now. Bored with it, your phone. I need the new phone. And then we suffer because we have to go through a little bit of inconvenience. hundred years ago, I got this. I, that, that, that's just what I would have the rest of my life. I'd be walking with a limp. You'd be calling me limpy. Y'all listening to me? The life expectancy was 40 or 50. And yet now we have all of these blessings. God gave us hospitals. God gave us doctors. God gave us the wealth that we have. And now we're in this generation from those who suffered so that we could have it. And then we turn our back on the God of the Bible that gave it to us as a foundation. We are saying back to our forefathers, no, 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 no. You have it wrong. It's not in God we trust. It's in the dollar we trust. And we wonder why we're not happy. And you wonder why Eva Longoria is a desperate housewife. Nobody can stay married. And you wonder why our children act like bastards. It's because they have no fathers. And that's what a bastard is. I'm not cussing. I'm giving you King James. Don't lose me now. We act like we're in a generation that doesn't know respect. And it's normal. And it's never been normal. It's because we didn't put our children in church. It's because we didn't shut off the phone. It's because we didn't bring them to the outdoors and let them play. It's because we didn't show them our suffering and how we make it through with prayer. No, we just brought them to Disney World to try to hide the pain. Think about how many parents bring their kids to Disney World, but they've never seen their mom and dad on their knees and pray. Well, we've been going through a hard time, so we got to take them to Disney World. Everybody needs a break. Come back just as messed up as you were before. Affairs still happens. Divorce still happens. Oh, but you have your, your trip, your pictures from the trip at Disney World. I hope we wake up as a generation 
and start rejoicing in Jesus. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our prosperity. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our soundness of mind. Hallelujah. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our happiness. Jesus is our hope for the future. Amen. Would you stand up with me, please? Hallelujah. Would you say amen if you believe it today? Can I get some crutches to help me out? Should it not be healed right now in the name of Jesus? Altar workers and band, would you come? Lord, we thank you today that you've been good to us. I looked across this room, Lord, at least three or four times. Thank you, brother. And I saw at least three or four here today that have already lost people that have already gone through things just even in this last month. It's been a tough November. It's a tough holiday season for them, Lord. And Lord, you know I don't want to embarrass them. But God, I pray that they've heard this word today. I pray that whatever situation they are facing, that now they trust you with it. God, because I don't want to see them walk away from you during this time. Lord, I don't want to see them turn their back on you. I want their testimony, oh God, to last and to pass this test, oh God. You didn't bring them this far to fail them, Jesus. And then, Lord, I lift up the rest of us here, those I don't know, God, or the problems that they're facing. Only you know, God. And I pray right now, Lord, you'll begin to go deep into the heart and give them something to rejoice about. Let them see the joy that my aunt had in hospice while she was dying. God, let them see the joy and the, and the peace, oh God, that only you can give. Lord, I pray for each one of us today, even as Jerry was holding her son up here, that each one of us through our trials and tests will hold on to you, Jesus. That if there's anybody here, Lord, that doesn't know you yet as their Lord and Savior, that they'll repent and be born again because that's all that's going to matter when all of this is over. And that you're going to give us that margin call. And then, God, you're either going to increase our suffering or increase our glory. And I pray that everyone here who doesn't know you will know you so they can go to that place to be with you to ever increase in glory. A few moments right now, if you don't know Jesus, talk to him, repent of your sins, say you believe in him. He died and was buried, rose again for you. And then the rest of us, come on, look at your life. What are you facing today? Give it to God. That, like they used to say, let go and let God. Let go and let God right now. Well, I've lost my loved one. Okay, let go and let God have your sorrow today. He says he'll wipe away every tear when you get to heaven. Let him start wiping it right now. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I pray the spirit of comfort to come over each person mourning in this house. Those of you here today that feel like you're lacking strength, maybe in your job, in your family, the Bible says, though the young men grow weary and tired, and though they lack strength, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not go weary, walk and not faint. I pray right now the blessing of rejuvenation over you. Right now, come on, right now, I look at some of the young people. You're carrying the stresses of a 30-year-old right now because of all the things you've gone through already in your life. I pray that you'll find the joy of your youth. As the Bible says, you'll find the joy of serving God in your youth and you'll give him the days of your strength before you become older and then regret the time that you've wasted. A few moments right now, talk to Jesus because it's going to be up to you. 
I can't force this altar call. In the next few moments, we'll release you to either worship, receive prayer, or go about your day. There's no condemnation. Do what you feel is best. But I just want to let you know, I can't force you at this altar call to come and get it right. But there's many of you, you know what I'm talking about. You're battling with it. You've been battling with blaming God. You're battling with being angry through your situation. And God has given you this word like he gave it to me. And he's saying you need to see it as a test that you're going to pass and that there's a purpose in the pain. And though he didn't plan it, he has a plan plan for it in the name of Jesus I pray you leave out here different than the way you came with a pep in your step because as for me and my house I'm going through this with joy I'm not giving up my joy into the next problem devil just know right now I'm going through it with joy so don't mess with me devil unless you want me to praise God for 10 more hours every day because I'm going to give him more of my praise every test I face Because I can't do it complaining and I won't do it blaming. I'm going to do it praising. When I was young in the Lord, just in an attitude of prayer, the devil used to wake me up and make me be afraid of my past and what I used to do. And I was messing with witches and warlocks in New Orleans and they would call me up and prank me and put spells on me and all of that. And I would get woken up in the middle of the night afraid. And the Lord told me, I'm going to tell you how to beat them right now. Every time he wakes you up, you start praising me and pray for 10 people to get saved and you will be free. I'm telling you, that devil stopped waking me up after that first night because I just went to praising God. I prayed for everybody that I knew and then I just went back to bed. And from that, I'm telling you, because the devil will get away with everything you let him get away with. You give him an inch, he's going to take it and want more. Don't walk out of here saying, well, he didn't hit on what I'm going through. He doesn't know. No, you're right, I don't, but God does few moments right now will change your life, change your situation. Lord, you know it and you can do it right now. Right now. Right now, Jesus, I pray for every demonic lie to be broken. Everything that's ever been over somebody's life held over them to be broken. I pray for every spirit of despair to be broken in the name of Jesus. Any addiction in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for somebody right now If you know who you are, you need to start making your way to this altar before we dismiss. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that through the storm, through the valley, God, they'll sense your peace, your joy. Oh, Jesus, right now, right now I speak to despair and I say you must go. I speak to heartbreak and I say you will not have them today. In the name of Jesus, you shall overcome. Well, I thought I would have saw a couple of you at this altar, but God told me I can't force you. We're going to end in worship. Now I leave it on you. Father, I thank you for this wonderful day. Keep those that keep their mind on you. Keep them in perfect peace. Help us to stay safe in these conditions and all throughout this winter. In Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Bless him. Bless him. God bless you guys as you bless him.